0: Past Ball Show. Brought to you by John What the f
1: do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- f- put that in. I don't f- So the Tribe drops its third straight on this six to one to
2: the Rangers. for the Indians. One run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we've
0: got. One goddamn hit.
3: ever put
0: out in the 100 years of the present time. Sell the team. Oh yeah, welcome aboard, John P. L. A. Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, hour two of the program. And we're going to jump right into an interview that I recorded with former Major League pitcher Jerry Cassell. And Jerry is known for a restaurant that he owned after he was done playing in New York City. He was born in Brooklyn and grew up a Brooklyn Dodgers fan and he ends up uh, being drafted... Uh, in the major leagues, makes his major league debut with the Boston Red Sox in 1958 to 1960 with the Angels in 61, with the Tigers in 61 and 62. One thing that kind of stands out is the fact that he was a very good hitter. He hit some mammoth home runs in his career, not only in the major leagues but also in the minor leagues, and arguably hit the longest home run ever by a Boston player in Fenway Park. And that sounds like a little crazy. You wouldn't expect a pitcher to do it. But apparently in 1959, he hit a bomb of a home run against Russ Demmerer, and it's it's told by a bunch of different people that this may have been one of the longest, if not the longest, home run ever hit at Fenway Park. And you know who would have thought that a pitcher would hit one that would even be in the top five or top ten, let alone close to arguably the the biggest shot or the longest shot at Fenway Park? But here's a guy that in in 1963 played in the minor leagues with the New York Mets organization before ended up hanging it up and obviously his calling was the food service and running a restaurant which he did for many many years and it became a kind of a landing spot a spot where a lot of players a lot of uh, professional athletes a lot of well-known people ended up coming in to you know for the food and to have a restaurant that goes on and becomes as successful as it was for that long you obviously have to have something right so Jerry Cassidy uh pretty good major league career for about five seasons with the Red Sox, the Angels, and the uh, Detroit Tigers. Uh, ends up running a restaurant. So hopefully you guys enjoy this spot with former major league pitcher Jerry Casal. Good
1: afternoon, this is John Pielli. I'm here with former major league pitcher Jerry Casal. Jerry, thank you for, thanks for having me. A couple minutes, man.
0: Oh, my
1: pleasure. Hey Jerry, it looks like you uh, you know you went to high school in uh, Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken, right?
2: Yes, yes,
1: uh baseball manual training.
2: Ah, they kind
1: of yeah, if you can, just tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience, you know, you know, living in New York and, you know, growing up there and what got you into baseball.
2: I uh, actually went priest. We were a priest of our church when I was yeah. young, you got me on the side you see that I, I had a good um, you know, playing up in the, in the church, because I was I was gifted a little bit with basketball, football, and baseball, you know? Yeah. So he stayed with me, kept me off the streets, and uh, and, uh, and I, uh, I fell in love. One day my brother took me to see the Brooklyn Dodgers, and I got to see them, uh, and and it just, uh, just hit me. I want to do that. What do you say? I want to wear that uniform. That's awesome. so that was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan growing up. That was my love, John. I, and, and any game they're playing, I listen to the time I can get a little money together around with to a single game. I just love it. Yeah, that's awesome. And the Brooklyn Dodgers, the one I you know, and one day, uh, when I was one of them school, high school, they asked me to come in and. Uh, no batting practice, They uh, all, not know what the scouts wanted to see, you know, look at me, because back in those days they were throwing a few bucks around to the bonuses and also that the, the scarf can we agree to do that, so uh, I think it was brand tricky, brand tricky, yeah, and he wanted to see me throw, so that was a big throw for me, you know, going with the Dodgers of the clubhouse, and this was in 1951. Yeah, that's awesome. right. Yeah. And uh, the first battle they wanted me to pitch badly, but so it was a Roy Campanella. And, and uh, you know, they wanted me to let him kind of fly, you know, so I could. And I was pretty blessed when I was like, yeah, I can really fly the walkers. because And the first pitch I threw to Campanella, it was right in his head. Uh-huh. He went down like a ton of bricks. And it just had bubbles in there, <laughs> so they took me right over. It was, was killing. But it was evident that i throw the five dice at the mill and they got a chance to see me work. So, what do, you, so um, what
1: do you think that was? That was nerves? Were you a little nervous oh, I guess?
2: Oh yeah, I tried not to overdo it. Uh, I, I, you know, I reached back for a little extra. I took my eyes off the, the capture you and know, I just let it go. And uh, wow, <laughs> I, I almost I, I, I killed him. To get that battle off the ground, so I had a trouble outside. But what a trouble that was. That was the biggest know. Yeah. Being in a clubhouse with the Brooklyn Rogers, where I moved with a team I just
1: uh, don't uh, Absolutely. I how far back can you go as a fan? What, what players do you remember seeing at the, you know, the earliest times?
2: Um, uh, I'm thinking the, in, the in the late 40s. My opinion is all about the complexity of all games. And after that, I think that was it for me. That you know, was my love right then. If I had to talk to I was a Red Sox fan. I was not a Red Sox fan, I was a Brooklyn Rogers fan.
1: No, that's awesome, man. I'll tell you, you know, the history of the Brooklyn Dodgers is fantastic. You know, you're looking back on it, all the all the great players that had the opportunity to go through that organization. It, you know, it must have, been, uh, must have been a shame for you when they ended up moving after 1957,
2: right? Oh, oh yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was uh, I was playing in the match I wasn't, you know, I wasn't living the middle of my life just for the Brooklyn Dodgers anymore, but, but you know, spring training, and that was a big thrill for me, you know, facing the Dodgers in spring training, and uh, in that game, we won the game, and uh, and Bill just did a whole lot of me. So
1: eh, I didn't even feel bad about that either. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of made a little uh, transition to what uh, you do when you're all rooting uh, uh, for those. I lived in the Bay Area, second, just of that team. And I, someday I wasn't a
2: player, but I forgot that, that they got all the big other They were both of them gone, you know? But 1960, but now, with Red uh, we ended up. I ended up being very good friends with Bobby Thompson. He was with us in 1960. Yes. Yeah. Bobby came to us in 60, and then he finished his career with bald I think. I don't remember the war. And but Bobby and I became very good friends. And uh, 1960s, things you yeah. know, it was, it, was, it was such an honor to be, you know, with and associated with guys like him, and of course, my good friend Ted Williams. So, uh, yeah, that was a big deal. I was
1: living in a happy world then. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Once again, John Pierre here, former Major League pitcher Jerry Casal. Now, you know, you end up uh, starting out in the Major Leagues with the Red Sox. You get there, to pitch for a couple of years. Of course, uh, Ted, Ted Williams is still on that team. You know, a lot of a lot of other you know well-known players. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience in Boston. You know, what you felt. You know, once you're up at the Major uh, Leagues, did you did you feel this is something that could have could have been a, a long career for you?
2: Uh, I think it been a long career, but. Um, I had, I, had, I had a lot of problems even as I was younger. I had an attack of bursitis in my arm. And, and, uh, and it happened to me in the 1969 season when I was I came home and winter, I got struck again with bursitis. I had it in the army and three times I've had bursitis. So I couldn't really lift, lift my arm up. And, uh, and, um, you know, you couldn't even move your fingers, uh, the pain was so bad, and uh, I just could not get the help I needed to, uh when I was throwing, I didn't, didn't with what, what got me, the power, the power that could To throw that fastball, it really hard to struggle. Mm -hmm. But I uh, I, got matched pretty good the first year. And uh, so, in the first year, I got home in the first game. And then another another tool was the Premier Yankees. And um, the Premier Yankees, um, it was a big thrill for me to to get a team that I really didn't like at all. So, uh, we're playing in and in, in, uh, in the second inning we lose the, they score, know, three, uh the we scored a run three at the top of the second, Quebec hit a double and somebody s he his single recommended. So in the bottom of the inning, um, we we uh, our shortstop is a three-year homeless. Kid. My name is Don Budden. Yes. So went we're here we were meeting yeah, 42, and I was the next batter coming up. And you know, i being on deck back in those days. We were on deck, you know, we was in the dugout. The, the so they yeah, probably playing close time out, and I say, what the hell is close time out for? And uh, out of the dugout comes Casey Stengel. And I said, I want to case these dudes. He's a guy looking for the bullpen and he's waving to the bullpen. That's what the hell are you doing? He's taking, he's taking a picture out here. He said, My name is Duke Ross. And he's waving to bring a picture. I said, well, he brings not bring it in now. You know, I on not that at all. So, uh, and he's waving and he's waving and he brings his mom, Turley. Yeah. John, do you know Bob Turley? Yeah,
1: exactly. I don't know about that
2: with a heck of a good pitcher and uh, he was so fast they called him bullet Bob. and i said what that i never seen it i haven't just been away from baseball these two years things have changed but I just been in a picture with a picture coming up in the back around like me with a little white and, I I wife. and I said, that was like an insult uh, how do you pick out a picture with a picture coming up next so uh i got up there and played and watch this guy bully. The ball was really coming up and better like the beanies, he could throw, he could throw, so... As I tried, I came round a rope, I started fishing around the plate trying to get a good po-ho, you know, and all of a sudden I hear, hey Jimmy, how you doing, how you busy, he said, how's, your, how's your wife, how's your kids? I said, oh, that was just talking? That was Yogi talking to me. And back in those days, we didn't, we didn't, uh, with the opposition, because you didn't have to, you didn't have to talk to the opposition. You know, that's you know, the way he was back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack was there and all of them, you know, because you got to make a living and you can't be too friendly with the opposition. So he told her, how's my wife, how's the kids, how am I doing? And, uh, and good to see him playing baseball again because he knows he's doing. lady on And I didn't want to talk to him, but you know, as a young fella, I got a little caught up with this yoga. Yoga man is talking to me. That night, Jerry Cassella, kid from Brooklyn and Yo how many years I mean, you know, watched this guy play in the World Series games you know I anything? And he talked to me, he said, I never cut. got a little caught up, this so, and then after a few seconds, I realized, mean, said, oh God, and I turned it up to look, and the wall, the wall came, went by me like a bullet, lift, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, hey, I, I'm never going to trust another short little fat tire catcher again. He said, you know, <laughs> I you know how
1: to be shocked
2: yet. Oh yeah, so and again, he's with the wife the kids, and kids, and he was up to my grandmother, but... <laughs> but I said to myself, Terry, don't be stupid there. Get in there and bat. And I'm saying that in my mind. I'm saying to myself, Come on, Terry. But I was very competitive. I mean, I mean, was a pretty good fight when I was playing. So. I said to myself, come on, Charlie, you need to go fastball again. Now that I'm paying attention to you, I'm putting it in a certain spot, you know, <laughs> uh, you know uh, You'll be still talking in the background, my wife and my kid. So Charlie throws the ball, and I have a tape in that moment, I'm supposed to take the game, and I still have the tape, but and you hear the crack of the back of the zoo and says, Oh my god, is that ball right there? Oh that right there. Wow. Holy cow, that bowling that bowl was went went over the screen, across the street, onto the building in the park. and suddenly parked. And went across the street. And behind the building there was a railroad. There was a railroad. Tracks. And then in the morning paper after that, you see the conductor so looking out the window of the train with a big bump on his head. <laughs> ball oh
1: my God. That's they, the, it.
2: Yeah, it was so funny. So as I, could, I go around the bases. I said, I got the whole player, I said to Bera, I said, Yo, they said, uh, So he really really struck so glad he tried, you know. But I got him on that one. That was funny for me. I looked like I eat every kid, but this wasn't on the plate. I was outside. So I, you know, being a rookie, I gotta shut up and I like, go back to the dugout. I put the bat down, put my jacket on, and I don't say nothing. Not a second time, I said, was up in the game. And what I really it, was a big game, because I was throwing as hard as he was. And, I, and I didn't have no fear. You know, I enjoyed pitching against the big leaders. So, uh, Second time, Cozy says, same thing, the slide is on the outside. Struck a nice picture, nice picture, it was nice picture, that's outside. So, next time, I'm playing straight to you, are out of here. <laughs> and now I'm pissed, I get a little pissed off, I go, I go sit down, I, down there. I go sit down, I go sit down next to my buddy Williams. I hit Teddy. Pitches and that says. He said, says, no, they're not stripes at all, he says, keep your cool. He said, don't tell going to give them those kind of pitches. He said, but I'm going to tell you what I want you to do the next time you go up there. He said, okay, but don't lose your cool because you're pitching a hell of a game. I said, okay, he says, but before you hit again, <laughs> so I come up for the third time. Nothing like it, ever. I think it was around the sixth. Six then I said, I don't remember. I what was, but I and, 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 and get my open. I, I sit next to me. Sit down. Listen. I want you to turn your left foot instead of pointing towards field, I used to love the field. the way to the hole. Yes. he says, I want you to turn that left foot when he really stops wind up, I want you to turn that left foot and I want you to have it facing him. I want you to. Don't throw the middle there with the ball, don't, don't even try it, because he's going to, he's going to keep throwing the same pitch. Because once he gets out with that pitch, why is he going to ball with anything else? Because by the day, he says, don't move that left foot. He goes to throw a ruler, I call it the 12 inches. Like, are you kidding me, you are 12 inches? I'm going to try measuring it? So, he says. But he said, don't do this. He said, when he put his head down as he started. So He said, when he put his head down, I want you to take that other foot and trace it towards him. He said, don't do this. Okay. He said, because if he, he sees you moving, before then, he's going to stick with me here. But that's where he was. So, I said, okay, me. So, uh. I did exactly what he told me to that fire they could call me out on, the same pitch and I hit one deep to center field. Jim Landis one I didn't even go back for it. I hit it to the center field
1: seat. Wow. And, I, uh, and he,
2: all around the bases, he carried every It wasn't my family, even my unborn children. He carried everybody around, you know? And I couldn't help but put a smile on that thing. I got the tell out with Blake Williams. He had a nice That's <laughs> then, awesome. Yeah, and then he come up the same as he, and he hit a home run, uh, had him beat two or nothing, but the same, I don't know if you remember, 59, white shots, and uh, they lost the World well Series to the target. Yeah,
1: they, they, they want beat, to kind of. it.
2: Yeah, they, uh, they, they had little guys like F.O.N.E. Sheila and Fox. They were stealing bases and drawing walks and everything. And they beat my uh, Albany pitcher. He took the Albany took me out, he, and he uh, ate I was poop. And, uh, I was near to reach back for it, you know what I mean? Yes. And uh, I was poop. So he took me out in the Albany pitcher's movie.
1: Yeah, once again, John Pielli here before major league pitcher Jared Kassau. Now after you're done fishing, you end up uh, getting in a restaurant business. You end up, you know, owning yeah. your own restaurant. Yeah. Was that yeah. something yeah. that you had thought about doing before you were done planning?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a a with food. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, bit, no, know, big surprise, it's high, you know, like food, you know? So, uh, yeah, I got to tell that was tougher
2: than baseball.
1: Oh, I'm sure it is, man. And yeah. I've you know, I've built a little bit of my life wow. in the food service, so I know it's a, I know it's a challenge. And, uh, you know, it had, it had to be pretty nice to have a, you know, successful restaurant for all those years.
2: We had a restaurant, a, 34th Street in the East Side, and, uh, I got to see some of the players who guys that I did when I was playing ball, you know. But, uh, uh, we, we were that close to as big arms, uh, I think some very good friends with Phil Esposito and the hockey players, yes. and, yeah. and so, being a tag and move, he's just a little more place. he used to love us. We made it nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: to being a restaurant owner, you know, when you look back at it, all the, you know, the, you know, these years later, as you, you know, recollect and stuff, do you, are you more proud of yourself that you played baseball or that you owned a restaurant?
2: And the day that I put on a major league uniform, that was an accomplishment for me. That that made me very proud. And then, you know, then, and, and, well, that, and, and that was a big thrill. And to that my wife and my kids was the second biggest thrill. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We the question is? Well, we've been married uh, 54 years down here. How about that? That's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, I actually grew all these years, I don't know, but I was pretty, pretty down and impressed. And we to F baseball because, you know, that was my whole life growing up. I wanted to be a baseball player, and then, you know, so I couldn't find to win that bit. So I, I got levels, you know. My old leagues, I was very good. I was always good in my leagues. After my first two years, I, I, became, I became a pretty good pitcher. I started in low classification, C-ball, B-ball back then. And then once I got to A-ball, then I started finding myself. And then I was on my way, you know. I had two good years at AAA. Two good years at AAA. I won 19 games in the Louisville room AAA and 19 games with San Francisco Seals to the Coast League.
0: And then to the big league. That was all a big
1: thrill for me, John. All right, Jerry. I appreciate you giving me some time, man. Some good stories there. And, yeah, God bless you, man.
0: So there it is. Jerry Casal, former Major League pitcher, longtime restaurant owner in New York City. We're going to take a quick break, finish up with an interview with former Major League pitcher Ray Crone. Back after this.
3: Hey guys and gals, want to have a great time dining out while watching your favorite sport on TV? Then come on down to Hooters of Princeton, New Jersey, located on Route 1 South in Trenton in the Mercer Mall. Hi, I'm Deja. And I'm Corey. These are great deals all week, bound to whet your appetite and satisfy your hunger. Check out our Bunday Mondays, where you can have a delicious cheeseburger and fries for only $6.99. On Tuesdays, we have all-you-can-eat wings all day, just $12.99 per person or $10.99 for boneless. On Wednesdays, you can get 10 boneless wings and an order of fries for just $6.99. On Saturday, kids eat free for every meal ordered by an accompanying adult, and the meals are served on Frisbee. We have half-priced appetizers from 10 p.m. until close every day. You can then enjoy your cold draft beer with our mouth-watering crab clusters for only $5. Remember, we are located in Trenton on Route 1 South in the Mercer Mall, just south of Quaker Bridge Road. For any information, call us at 609-520-WING. That's 609-520-9464. So come on in and watch your favorite football team while having a great meal, served up by the nicest and the hottest girls anywhere. Hope Hope to see you there! In show
0: Welcome back, John P.L.A. Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Former Major League pitcher Ray Crone pitched for the Milwaukee Braves. In 1954 through 1957, the New York Giants in 57 and 58, when they became the San Francisco Giants, stayed in the minors till 1961, was traded with Bobby Thompson and Danny O'Connell for Red Shandies. And obviously the move uh, from Boston to Milwaukee and New York to San Francisco, two things that he experienced firsthand. In addition, he pitched an 18-inning game, um, through you know in the minor leagues, eighteen full innings went out there, finished the game, and in 1953 was 19 and 11 with a 2.38 ERA in AAA Jacksonville. So hopefully you guys enjoy this spot. Former major league pitcher Ray Crone. Good afternoon, it's
1: John Pielli. I'm here with former major league pitcher Ray Crone. Ray, thanks for having a couple minutes today. Okay, glad to do it. Uh, first
0: off, uh, out of thousands
2: of names, how'd you pick
1: <laughs> yeah of course, right. Of course, you had a chance to pitch you know a little bit in the big leagues from nineteen fifty four to nineteen fifty eight but yeah you, know, you were you before the nineteen forty nine season you signed as an amateur free agent with the Boston Braves. i think, Ken, just tell, tell me a little bit about you know what was going on at that time and you know what what led you into baseball and how you know you ended up becoming signed in nineteen forty nine
2: uh, there was no little League at that time, but they, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, where I grew up, they had these service clubs like Quannus and Lions, and they used to sponsor teams around Memphis. And uh, it was kind of a preschool thing. So in seventh grade, I guess eighth. so uh, that's where I started. I started out as a Stop and then um, when I was playing Stop this is kind of not my personality, but uh, when I was out there in the field, I used to say to myself, <laughs> I can pitch better than these guys who were on my team, you know. So eventually I wound up pitching. And uh, then I went to Christian Brothers High School in Memphis, and we had a pretty good team. We won state a couple of times and also played uh, a good American Legion team and we won state there three times and went to North Carolina for regionals and it was a funny thing because it was double elimination about six other states that gathered in North Carolina and uh, Every time we went up there, we lost the first game, so we never were able to battle back and win the thing, which uh, would have sent us to nationals, but the first uh, time we went up there in 1946, I started the first game, and it was tied at the end of nine innings, and we were at 18 innings coach would be put in
1: prison for doing that to me. <laughs> yeah, no question. You know, when you when you ended up pitching in that game, you know, you obviously mentioned you came in in relief and you you, know, you ended up uh, sticking it out. No, I pitched the whole
2: 80, 18 innings. Oh wow
1: you pitched the whole eighteen innings. So how how many how many pitches would you think that you threw? I'm sure you weren't really keeping track, but you know, you think I'm you, you have no idea. But I, you, my, I don't remember that much about
2: it. I remember the only thing I remember about it was I was on third base in the ninth end and the guy had a fly ball to left and I was trying to score and I didn't slide or something and I was out we were watching through the game so I don't remember much my my brother told me later that I just don't no run game from the 6th to the 16th or something like that oh, uh... Uh, anyway that's just
1: kind of a neat story. Yeah, you're uh,
2: And like I said, uh, we went back twice more and we always, the next time up there, of it was all little towns in Kannapolis and Shelby and towns you won't hear much about because of the rabbit, the, the citizenry right there were rabbit fans in Mercy. So the next time we went up there, the old guy saying, I'm betting on a kid from Memphis, you know, he did. <laughs> so I lost it him, but it wasn't, wasn't a unusual game. But. Yeah, so anyway, uh, in the prep school there, uh, I was noticing some scouts around, and uh, uh, there was no draft then, and it wasn't all, he didn't Sit around thinking how much money you're going to get and all that stuff to just drive the game. And I didn't have any uh, aspirations as far as college. And college teams in those days didn't want really even recruit you. They only played like 18, 20 games. It was, it was not a big deal. The only uh, college sports win was i football when they recruit you. But anyway, I had no reason to go to college or anything. So, the Boston Bray Scout, he was from Coleman, Alabama, and uh, he had probably big territory. He saw me pitch several times, I guess. So, the, night, the day
1: after I graduated from high school, I signed with Boston. Yeah, and of course, you know, you end up kind of going up the uh, the minor league ladder with the with the Braves organization, and you know, you have a lot of success. Um, was this something? You know, obviously, you know, you're pitching, you know, in a in a professional level. You obviously have the confidence that exists with you, but you know, from from what you kind of recollect, on it kind of you know went the way you wanted it to, right, throughout the minor leagues.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you you know, you didn't make any money then. Uh, I was making $200 a month and up on a couple, let's see, $2 a day being a It was just a different era. Because, yeah. uh, of course, you could get breakfast for 50 cents. And, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I skipped uh, then the part way up the 51 season, the Braves. Fire Philly South they brought Tom I mean, Jones up to manage. So we had Travis Jackson as a manager. you remember him? He was, a, he was a Hall of Fame guy from the Giants.
1: Yeah, yeah Travis Jackson up there basement. Yeah, I played short
2: third Whatever. Um, so I completed that year. Next year, 52, uh, I was out of the system more or less. Uh I went to spring train with the Atlanta Crackers. And uh that name surfaced lately in news. Um uh Dixie Walker was a man. We went to Pensacola for spring train, which is kinda of really you know, to me because it was it uh, wasn't all the camp stuff, you know. We had we stayed in the hotel it's more like a regular spring train, just one team. And um, I went, I was I did well in spring train. I made the team. And I think I, I didn't start an opening day, but I think I started an opening day in in, uh, in Atlanta. And I don't know, I just I didn't uh, I wasn't on my game or something and I was I think it was one and two Record. So after, I don't know how I many weeks it was, they sent me back to Hartford. And, um, you know, you know, when you're young like that, you think, oh, God, it's world's over, you
1: know. Yeah, hey, he you must have thought that. Uh,
2: you just you have to just keep going. Uh, on that team, I had, uh, oh, what was his name? later as a pitching coach. But, uh, yeah, I would have brought a player that actually, uh, you know, the big league team used to spend two weeks going up north. did you know that? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah, I know that. They'd get, get on a train and just go from Little Town, to,
2: or, or Eastern-sized town, Charlotte, Atlanta, Jacksonville, and in 52, I got a lot of good experience because we played Yankees came through there, Detroit, White Sox, and the Braves. So you know, I forget how much I pitched there, but it was it was good experience.
1: I didn't didn't have any fear of big leaguers. Anymore. Yeah, no question. And you know, during that time, did you feel did you feel uh, like you kind of held your own against the the big leaguers when you when you did go out to pitch? Yeah, I was. You
2: know, I, Steve. I, mean, uh, I was just trying to prove myself to the manager and things. And uh, it's just that I had, I kind of had a relapse or something. The, the and when the league started, I didn't i didn't just really pitch. I just saw the ball. I uh, realized later. So uh, I went back to Hartford and it uh, was kind of providential because Started dating my wife there, we then eventually left to marry her in '55. Um, the next year I just the, had to—I didn't know this, or I didn't know all of the particulars—but evidently they had to put me on the 49 roster in '53. So
1: I went to spring training with the Braves in '53. And, uh, and that was their first year where they were playing in Milwaukee, right?
2: Yeah, know, no, that was the year. We were there for March, and uh, I don't know, Bill middle of March, they just came in one day and said, you guys have been represent Milwaukee this year. Wow. It, it wasn't any big deal. It had been rumored in the papers, but it wasn't like it is now. With everybody, every day, talking about on TV here, and so it was... It was low-key.
1: They just told us free to go move, so. Yeah, yeah. I find, I find that pretty interesting because actually I, I didn't know that there was such a little delay between you know, the team trade, tra- you know, changing cities like that. Uh,
2: that was the year I didn't make the team because they had a lot of veteran pitchers, Sercot and Spahn and whatever. And uh, they were holdovers from Boston, of course, and, and I think they, they didn't want to they wanted to take a veteran team up there, and they did. They played 52. They were terrible. And 53, I think they were, were second or third place. So, and uh, Milwaukee established a new season this record, and so then 54. Uh, Let's see, if it's, oh, 53. Yeah, so when when the Braves were going up north, Charlie Grimm the Magic came over to me and said, We're going to leave you here to pitch for Atlanta. Because we had a working the for Atlanta. Okay. And, uh, that's, you know, I was Okay, so I was there two weeks, it's four innings, I and mean, and you know the manager was gene mock. That was just he was like twenty six years old in his first manager job. And uh he didn't get any much of a chance in uh sent uh, to Jacksonville, which is here I was in three years in eight ball, so that was disheartening. Uh uh, I was trying to
1: think for a pitcher with art Fowler. You know, we, yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah.
2: Well you taught me a slider there and uh, which was a big help. I went to I went to Jacksonville. You probably had my record there. And years ago they just left you there. You have, you know, you you found out how to pitch and have a have a successful year, you know. You didn't you didn't they didn't throw you back up somewhere else and then you're starting all over. Yeah that's
1: not the way that they're all coaching. no question. And I, I find you know I find that very interesting. I mean you go back to that time and I think you know, it lasted probably until about at least like the, the 70s before, you know, the, you know, kind of switched and went the other direction. But, you know, it, 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 it had absolutely be a valuable experience to be able to, you know, not only know that you're going to stay down there, but to get a chance to work on, you know, pitches that may not be working right, maybe certain situations that kind of, you know, own yourself in addition to pitching. but you know, you you also get that, uh, you know, that mental edge and that mental confidence that when you get up to the next level, you're going to succeed.
2: Yeah, you just, uh, you're there every day, and uh, you're pitching every fourth day, fifth day, and uh, because of the, you get the, you get the the fabric, you know. Yeah, no question. I don't know that record. I was 19,
1: and yeah,
2: 19 and 11. Right, yeah, 19 and you know, 11. Two, I won two games in the playoffs, so there's nothing to show that. In fact, I beat Art um, Ditmar, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, I remember. They sent Ditmar down to the band to uh, stand help, help them in the playoffs. I beat him uh, 2 to 1 and 14 innings or something like that. But I'll tell you what's funny. I was 19 when so we had, we finished up in Savannah, He's saying anything about winning 20 games. I don't even think I thought about it. But we had already punched the panna, and I pitched the last game. I mean, I don't think of anybody doing that now. I'd already pitched 250 innings.
1: Yeah, no question. it, was, it
2: was my turn, so then I was out there. And, um, and you know, I had playoffs coming up, and so they knew the pitchers could have used the rest, but nobody oh thought about that.
1: Yeah, once again, John Fielli here with former Major League pitcher Ray Crone. Now, of course, you have that, you know, you, you have that uh, kind of a statement season in 1953 that you just talked about. You end up making your Major League debut the next year in 1954. Um, you're, out of, you know, you're part of a pitching staff. Of course, you spent some time in the minors with Toledo that year. But, you know, you come up to the majors, you're on a staff that's got Warren Spahn, Lou Burdette. You know, and of course, you know offensive players like a young Henry Aaron and you know Eddie Matthews. Um, you know, how, how did it feel for you to finally be up with the big club and you know having a chance to prove yourself at that level? Well,
2: it's not, it's, uh, not what people think. Uh, yeah, I've been in spring training with those guys two years, so I was I was kind of confident. was not like I. Some guys had brought up the first time they ever see a big league game, but that wasn't the case with me. Yeah, that's right. So you know, I've been with those guys, or, and of course I've been sent out once, but I still knew the situation. And uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, which I think is kind of funny, uh, the 19-11 what is that, 19, that's 30
1: starts, 31? Uh, yeah, it says you made 31 stars, you pitched in 33 games total.
2: Yeah, so I got I I didn't get any breaks, I got a, a but to see uh, in
1: almost every one of my starts. Yeah, yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, you don't see that happen too often. And I mean, I, they didn't keep it in regards to the stats. They didn't keep track of complete games in a lot of the different leagues. So I'm sure, you know, you probably you completed probably I would assume more of the games than you didn't.
2: Yeah, I looked it up. I mean, I divided the ends into starts, and it
1: was 8 points something. Yeah, yeah, so you would figure the majority of them were probably complete yeah. games, 20 plus at least. But anyway, getting back
2: to that, uh, Harry Aaron was our second baseman there in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah. And, now, uh, now did you see, uh, you know, did you see the, the, the player that he ended up becoming? I'm sure, you know, he had some power.
2: Well, I had no idea he would hit booster records.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think anybody does. He
2: was a line drive hitter. He was, he didn't hit towering home runs or anything like that. You know, he was a contact hitter mostly. So you thought—I never even thought about it. I, I didn't look at it. I did i wasn't a scouting player. I just—I just took what happened in life, and I thought. I didn't have any idea he I thought he could play second race regularly, That's reasonably well, but, so anyway, well, I did three. we had we had three black guys, and Savannah I had two, that was the only other people, players on the league, so, it was quite, it was quite remarkable, because they broke, the was the deep south, you know, it was, It was something. And so then that winter I got a call from Graves. Here I pitched all that, those innings, and they called me and said, we got a request from Cognos in the Puerto Rican League that that they wanted you to come down here and pitch. This was in November, the, the league had already started down there, but they were they were just satisfied with one of their pitchers, so so uh, I said, Yeah, I was always, always ready to renew horizons. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I said, Oh, that sounds interesting. So I went down there. Henry was on that team. And he was playing right field and that's when he yeah, that's when they changed him over. So when we went to spring training, that's when Bobby Thompson broke his leg in uh, St. Petersburg
1: in train. so it was only naturally for Henry and DeAlfio because he already played there in yeah. a Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, it ends up, uh, you know, working out obviously for him, but yeah, for you as well in 1954, you end up, you know, uh, pitching pretty well for the Braves, and you start to establish yourself a little bit. Um, you know, as the next couple years go on, you know, tell us a little bit about the, you know, the trials and tribulations. Of course, you end up um, before the, you know, in the nineteen fifty seven season, getting traded over to the New York Giants, right?
2: Yeah. Right. Well, I wasn't an outstanding pitcher, but I, I, did some good things, and uh, in fact, I've gone through some stuff. I have loads of things and stuff. I don't know I'm going to do with them all, but. When I came back from the '55, '54, I pitched. my only my start, the first start in the big was in Wrigley Field. I had a shutout in the ninth inning. Seems like I always did something screwy. We were winning. We, we were winning two to nothing. At two outs of the night, the man on, and the Banks that one in the seats. Tied it up. And uh, that I remember. I remember the pitch and everything else. And But this is this is another thing that's so much different. In fact, at the first place, I wouldn't even been pitching in a night nowadays. Uh,
1: yeah, no question. They you no know, matter
2: what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that tied it up. And the next, our next bat bat, I'm at, I'm hitting, they put they didn't take me out for a pinch hitter.
1: Yeah, so this was in the 10-20?
2: Yep.
1: Wow. And,
2: uh, I think, Andy Pathkos, in my head, i always scored, so I won that game to 42, the lead game. But then I didn't get another strike, I can't remember, I don't think I ever started again, and... Uh, I don't know how long past that it was in June, I guess he sent me to uh, Charlie Graham. We were we were in somewhere and there was something going on the field, so we sat in the stands waiting to put our stuff on. So he comes over and says, How would you like to go to Toledo? I said do I with choice? He didn't no. so <laughs> I went down there, I pitched uh nine and three, I think I was or something. And anyway, the next year, 55, uh, I was more part of the team, and then they came to me again. So they, I had another option left, so they sent me. They wanted to keep some work um, and Robinson, some guy. And uh, they sent me down there to Polito. And I, was, I, pitched, I had four starts. I gave up one run or something. ERA was .73 or
0: something,
2: and uh, and they brought me back up. So anyway, I was going to tell you the some of the clippings. Evidently, when I went back up there, I was put in I was put in relief a lot, and uh, the, the articles were about how uh, good I was doing in, in the bullpen. So I don't really remember that. But.
1: Yeah, pretty much, you know, throughout the, you know, rest of uh, the
2: I'd say that was the best stuff I've ever had, and, uh, that I wasn't able to
1: capitalize on it. Yeah, and you, know, you, you end up staying pretty steady over the course of the three seasons in Milwaukee. Um, what did you, What? how did you feel when you ended up getting traded to, to New York and pitching for the Giants for the first time? Well,
2: I was, I think, mean, I was disappointed, um, uh, it has been, been talked about, the baseball writers, you know, they, you know I'm going to put you in this category. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's right down here, the University of Texas had this coach named Brown. I don't know if
1: you've been watching Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, back really.
2: Brown. Okay, so the, the the writers get these rumors going, so they're talking, as soon as he doesn't beat Oklahoma, you know, they're talking about they are going to be replaced or no. something. They, they turn up all this stuff and then it's finally done and then they write articles about that's going
1: to be hard to replace <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a silly thing, the whole media. And I'm, not, I'm not necessarily the biggest uh, proponent of media and their narratives and the way it's, you know, well, the way anyway, it's Yeah, they have
2: been harping on I was raising a second base uh, on was plant, and uh, they just kept on that, and I don't know how much who starts, at whether the GM really starts it on his own or what, but they kind of put everybody in a bind to do something, that's what happens. So, you know, what's you going to do?
1: Nothing, nothing, nah, there's nothing you could do to change it, right? Listen, I want to thank you for having some time. Appreciate you giving me, uh, you know, the, the stories, and a lot of, a lot of good stuff that you got into. So appreciate you giving me the time. and I want to thank you again.
2: Okay, well, I'll be looking for you.
0: Great catching up with Ray right there, and a big thanks out to Pro Football Hall of Fame running back Lenny Moore, and also to Major League pitchers Jerry Casal and Ray Crone for being part of the program. We'll certainly be back with you next week. John Pialy Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Don't forget to check everything out on JohnPialy.com.